Rugged Matrix America is brought to you by Rugby Imports. For all your rugby supply needs for yourself and for your team, go to RugbyImports.com. And also by the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament in Las Vegas, Nevada. and will be held next time in 2012, uh, February 11th and 12th. Come see 16 of the best international sevens teams in the world, and you can also participate by being part of the Las Vegas Invitational in the days leading up to that event. Go to usasevens.com. This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome, everyone, to the show. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. I'm joined once again by Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, and today... Uh, main topic of conversation is the United States men's national team and their two-game series with Canada. And we're recording this right after uh, the USA just lost 27-7 to in Glendale in a game. That was a very strange game because there are a lot of stats that were in the USA's favor, but the scoreline not at all in their favor. And we're going to break this down. We got um, uh, some thoughts from uh, one of the players and certainly thoughts from the guys who are here. So uh, first of all, bringing in into the show, Bruce, how's it going? What's up? Yeah, it was very unfortunate. The Eagles came second. Um, the only second place finish that I was uh, happy but a little disappointed with this weekend was that of Ron Paul. Gold, peace, and freedom, everyone. <laughs> and and Pat, you watched the game too, actually. You helped me out in, uh, in reporting on it, seeing as I was stuck interviewing people most of the time or not interviewing them and uh um how's it going good good the beauty of a of a seven o'clock game is that it's at seven o'clock and you get all day to get built up and exciting excited for it um but the uh the bad side of that is when it's disappointing it's uh even more so disappointing because of all the build-up yeah, that's true. Well, uh, just to lead us into it, it was it was nine o'clock for me, and so I I took a nap for an hour and a half before the game. You're such <laughs> an old man. Kick off. I really am. I, th- I, I, <clears throat> I think a pregame nap is warranted completely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to get us started, uh, I talked to several players. Uh, head coach Eddie O'Sullivan was not available to the media really all week from the uh, from the Canada game in Toronto through uh saturday's game he 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 wasn't available for interviews and uh um so we haven't talked to him much in fact i haven't talked to him at all did talk to several players and they all had pretty much the same thing to say so uh this is mike mcdonald uh prop forward for the usa and his thoughts on the game and how frustrating it was so I got uh, Mike McDonald. Mike, uh, you guys frustrated? Yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look back in the last 160 minutes, uh, six, uh, five big mistakes led to five turnovers. Today was, you know, three mistakes, 50, close to 50 yards, maybe longer on the other two. Uh, we played. We held on to the ball for good phases of the game. Our defense was good when they had the ball. Uh, we just need to tighten up our mistakes. Uh, we just shot ourselves in the foot two weeks in a row now, and uh, we just need to shore that up. What about the difficulty in converting that pressure into a, into tries? Were you, you guys, I, I heard some comments, people saying it seemed like you guys were pressing almost. Yeah, uh, you know we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to look at film, see see what happened. Uh, you know, 
I think we just got a little too overeager. Uh, we we got close to what I, we want our shape, but you know we're just slightly off, and those minute details are, are, are what's costing us at the moment. Uh, you know, you know, just mental blips here and there hurt us. Uh, and and you know, but to be fair to Canada, they scrambled well, they defended really well. Um, you know, and fair play to them. They took their chances when they got them, and you know, full marks. Like I said, full marks to them. But you guys didn't. Yeah, exactly. We just need to learn because we we made lots of breaks, lots of breaks. But uh, you know, opposed to to Canada, they converted their breaks, and we didn't. So. Um, you've, you've been there before. I remember 2005 against Wales. It was like eight line breaks and three points. You know, what does it take to turn that around? You've been there where it's been turned around. Uh, it'll come. It'll come. I mean, majority of you guys have uh, you know chopping and changing right now, but yeah. we've got two, two, three more weeks before that World Cup. Uh, next week's going to be a big week for us. You know, we've got a big travel day on Monday, uh, going halfway across. Northern Hemisphere, and then you know have to just get right back to work. Game on Sunday, and hopefully we can you know work some of these kinks out that we that we've had. We know Japan's going to be a stiff opposition. They've done well in the Pacific Nations Cup, uh, and when we played them even two years ago in those November yeah. tours, um, they were much improved from that 03 side when we played them, and even in the, those uh, Pacific, not Pacific Rims, uh, Super Power Cup. Yeah, uh, they've just they've kept improving, and you know that's something that we're aware of, and something that we know we're going to have to to work on. So that was Mike McDonald, and uh, it, it was it was good to sit down and talk to him in the lobby of the team hotel uh, after the game. And it's pretty much, as I said, the 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 pervading feeling. The players were not happy; they were frustrated. But at the same time, they're all saying what what was patently obvious to anybody watching the game that at least in the first half they dominated huge portions of the game. That is, it, it, the game was just played in in the Canadian 22, but you don't win by being in the 22 the most. You win by scoring the most points, and they failed miserably to score points. They were up 15 to 13. There were two yellow cards, two uh, simultaneous yellow cards on Canada, and they still failed to score. A couple of missed penalty kicks, but also they just couldn't knock in a try, and they eventually scored a try right at the end. Of the first half, uh, Blaine, Sc- Blaine Scully jumping in, running in onto a grubber kick from Nessie Malifa to score. And, and oddly, Malifa then kicks the touchline conversion. But that is it. And they, they had, in the second half, it wasn't so much concerted pressure in the Canadian end. It was a series of line breaks. There was a huge one from Nguenya. There were, I think, three from Paul Emmerich. There was one from Lou Stanfill. Um... Stanfield was caught right as he crossed over the line and flipped over turtles and, and, and prevented from touching down. Nick Johnson was, it looked like, a foot from the line and he was stopped. Um, two tries that they really, really needed. So, uh, guys, um, is, 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 it, is, it, is it a waste of time to say, hey, they played really, really well except for the scoring tries part? Somewhat. I mean, I, I think it... <laughs> You have to mention it because obviously they dominated possession. They did lots of really good things, but they weren't able to punch it in, and that's the storyline. 
Um, so, I mean, you have to, you have to take all that into account, but to paint a pretty picture about this game, because they were able to dominate possession and they, they did play well in a lot of different, um, you know, had good phase ball and all that sorts of things. It would be unfair because at the end of the day, you have to score tries. You have to keep the other team from scoring tries. So I think that, uh, you go, you play two games against Canada, both of which you feel like you gave up soft tries, both of which you, uh, you, you think that you, left a lot of points on the board, well, then it's no longer just a coincidence. It's it's now a pattern, and that means that something is fundamentally wrong with the way you're attacking the game um, or, or the way that you're putting together your game plan. It, that's, it's not a small thing. It's now a pattern. It's no longer just a, a one-game instance where that happened. Okay, so let's talk about game plan. Bruce, you've you've mentioned the game plan, maybe not in spe- specific terms. We talked a little bit about specifics, but specifically, and, and we were just talking before the show, and I'll, I'll I'll let you get into the technical aspects because because that's what you've been observing. But but you mentioned a word that really struck home with me, which was lateral, and I saw an awful lot of stuff where the ball is being sent laterally, side sideline to sideline, looking for a place to go through. And then when a player goes, they find a gap, they find a hole, goes through, they're they're all alone. Or even if they have support, the support is always lateral. There, um, I, I wrote in my notes. I was looking for a, a a a break or a half break from a USA player and an offload out of the tackle to a trailing support runner. I was looking for that, and the first one I saw was in the 65th minute. Yeah, it was well, – there's a couple things. What they do is they they essentially play the French pod system, which is they keep two forwards on, on one sideline, two forwards on the other sideline, four big forwards in the middle. Primarily, they're, they're bigger players, and, and at, at times, they'll play three on one sideline, two on one sideline, and three in the middle. <clears throat> And and then what they try to do is penetrate off that, but everybody's running um, kind of you know you you run change of angle lines. Let's take that at, take that into consideration. It works very well for France because they have size, they have speed, they have the ability to offload, and they have the ability to control contact with with uh, two or three players. On top of that, they can keep the opposition honest with a world-class kicking game from 9, from 10. Both centers can kick, and as can their back three. So you don't get to play for France if you can't kick. So they, they keep teams honest, and they, and, they, and they force teams to stay back and cover the kick. On top of that, they have a world-class scrum and a world-class lineout. So they have a set-piece platform where they can get those players moving on the front foot and need fewer players in contact. Add into that the fact that they do it all the time, and primarily in practice, they do a lot of games, and so they understand how to transition from attack to defense. So what happened is when 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 America plays it, it doesn't seem like you could you could look at the Canadians and they were kind of playing very very soft, almost waiting for us to go to the sideline, shut us down, wait. When we attacked them and really attacked the game line and really attacked hard, we actually broke through quite easily, and and we and we did outplay them, and and that is something to take heartening that we did outplay them, and we outplayed them. I thought pretty handily in both games, 
And in doing that, to, to come away with, with a 26-point deficit in two games, and, and, and the reality is Scully knocked on that ball. So we, the score of that game could have quite possibly been 27 nothing. So yeah, I, mean, I don't think he did. It, when you look at it from the reverse angle, the three angles look good. Then you look at the reverse angle; he knocked on the ball. The um, so, and then when you're in the midfield and you're try and 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 when you put your bigger players in the midfield, the United States, while they're 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 very good athletes, um, Hayden Smith and Van Der Geesen, they're they're not they're not the fastest guys in the world, or Pittman, or um, or uh. Or, or or McDonald or Bill or whoever they're leaving there at that time is so there's not a massive amount of penetration when Biller got his penetration the first player there was was Tim Usas the scrum half and then he struggled in the contact there to try to and to try to save it and somebody else got there a little bit later the ball scored it out and off to the races they were and that happens quite often you know Louis Louis Stanfield makes the break there's Two Canadian guys get to tackle him in the try zone. And there's not an American in sight. Mike Petrie makes the break. There's not an American in sight. And and I think that in in the game prior, Suniula makes a break. Petrie has to be the first guy there. I think that because of that, even even if we did penetrate and go and and climb on top of those balls and win those balls and quick rucks, the defense just drops back because our guys are just staying in their channels. We're not able to go into a further and attack that same channel again, either with a pick and go, a hot ball off the side or whatever. And then you looked late in the game, they were playing the game a little bit more off a nine, playing one-off runners, but what they were doing is they were a little too close to the ruck, and 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 when Petrie was feeding, they were very close to the ruck, and they were taking it very flat. Now, and I understand that it's great to take a ball flat, but sometimes when you're taking a ball flat and you know you're going to get hit, it's difficult to still run hard and, and control contact, which they were able to win the ball, but they weren't able to – I don't think they were able yeah, to do what they wanted what, to do. And what, I'm going to add – I'm going to go – I'm going to finish in 30 seconds. <laughs> the problem with the entire thing was that they haven't played together at all. The team isn't a team. They don't have a team yet because they haven't ever selected to play together. And here is the fruits of outplaying a team that's played together and still losing. It's like that underdog Division One team who's beaten the living snot out of a Super League team that's a little bit under strength and can't really get its act together. And and for whatever reason happens, the, the Division One team's killing them, but the Super League team wins by 20 points, even though they got outplayed. And it, And it's happening that they're not – a complete team yet and i think that it's really a lot of it is due to game plan and a lot of it is due to selection in prior in prior uh assemblies wait bruce you were the one who said that we needed to get the usa team playing as a unit most you know not necessarily just a certain 15 but 15 22 25 guys and 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 work on that all year. That's what you said at the beginning of the Churchill Cup, and and you know you beginning can't beginning of last year's Churchill Cup, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. But you you this is very true. I mean, Tim Tim Usaz was the first guy to the ruck a lot of times, and I'm not the biggest Tim Usaz fan, but he he had to try and win ball on his own. I think that if you you know you talk about France, you talk about the the old style France 
way of playing. And everyone remembers, you know, the great 1994 try, the try from the end of the world. That that try, if you check it out on YouTube, you see how many passes were made in that try, but how many passes that went maybe a meter, a meter and a half. The players were close to each other. They were running switches. They were making changes of direction. And Gwenya breaks through. He maybe has a chance to put his head down and go under the post, but instead he, he sees a bunch of guys around him, and he looks for support. And the only real support he has is Lou Stanfill, 10, 15 meters to his right. No one near him to just just pop the ball over to someone. It is, and I don't know if that is teamwork or it's game plan or it's the way it's 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 approached. What what they do with these forwards? They set them out and 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 they want to get quick ball, right? So so the ball has come out slowly out of the scrum or it's come out slowly out of a mall, or whatever. So they send it out to one of these uh, pods of forwards to get quick ball to then get it moving. But that doesn't really help if you don't even come close to making the gain line, if you don't go forward. And I saw players catch the ball as first receiver and fall down. And it was players, one specific player in mind, just hit the deck immediately. So now what you've got is you've got quick ball, but you just lost five meters. And we need we need the combination. We need all of it. We need the quick ball, and we need going forward, to, especially when you're on the goal line. I, addressing two of the ones that you guys both brought up, two of the tries that we're talking about here are two of the big plays. The one where Chris Biller made the break up the middle of the field. He was able to recycle the ball. John Vandergeesen was there in a position to pick the ball up and take it and continue possession. He missed it. He missed the ball, had a clear shot at the ball, should have picked up the ball, bobbled it, went between his legs, and then it became open for a Canadian player. That's John Vandergeesen's error. Him letting the ball go through his legs because he couldn't pick it up is not on uh, Eddie O'Sullivan's plate, and it shouldn't be. The second try that you guys talked about was Lou Stanfield's, you know, when Nguyenia makes the break, offloads to Lou Stanfield. First off, Nguyenia should be able to make a 15, 10-meter pass with ease. He's a former Sevens international player. He's considered one of the best wings in the world by some. That, that, that pass should be able to be made by him. Lou Stanfield, there's no excuse for him not scoring that try. Point blank period. You'd have to look at the number again. I'd have to go back and look at the number again, but I'm pretty sure it was a back who brought him down. And Lucianfo did not was not able to get a stiff arm out in time. Did not fend that guy off. Being able to control yourself in contact, as Bruce alluded to earlier, is a skill. There's no way Stanfield should have been able, should not have been able to touch that down. He gets his arm out. He gets his stiff arm out. He's got the separation he needs to touch the ball down. In my opinion, for me no, watching I, it, that's I, player I, error in both of those mistakes. No, I, I agree. He should have been able to, to, to push it out, and, and, he, and he didn't. And I'm not saying that Nguyenio couldn't make that pass. I'm just saying he had no other option. He, he needed options, m- more options. And, and as Bruce was saying, when people are on breaks, and, and uh, for Emmerich, Emmerich just ran until he was tackled because there was no one with him. Right. No, that's certainly true. There were people there to recycle the ball sometimes, and and sometimes the sense of urgency just wasn't there. I'm not going to say that schematically these guys are put in the right position to necessarily get there and recycle the ball because, you know, I'll I'll concede to to Bruce that that, the game plan may not allow that. That makes a lot of sense, his argument. But I just want to say those specific plays should have been made by the players, uh, no matter where they were put. I'm not saying that the game plan doesn't allow a lot, what, whatever. I, what I'm saying is that they seem somewhat robotic. They don't seem a team. Uh, I'm not going to blame Louie for not scoring 
I actually thought the Canadians made a pretty good play on that. Um, and, and, and I, and I wish that there were more Americans in sight to help them over to try zone or to make those Canadian defenders have to check their run. Um, at some point in that Louis did check his run a little bit. Um, but I, I would, I just think that the Americans are are not playing enough as a team or haven't played enough as a team that Boy, these, these, these mistakes come to the forefront. It, the Canadians made mistakes as well. Like, and, and when you watch New Zealand play, they make mistakes as well. Australia makes mistakes. These teams make mistakes and they make a lot of them during the game. They're not fatal. In the USA's case, it just seems to be that they're fatal because something happens that they you know, it it almost seems like, holy crap, it happened again. Instead of, all right, we'll get them next time. Because they, again, they actually did play well. And, and one of the things about having a game plan like that is, a guy like Stanfield is a very powerful runner, and to have him on the edge of the field, you know, basically puts him matched up against <clears throat> against against wingers, but in speed situations. Same with Clever when he's on the edge of the field. Whereas when when Clever made that, that nice run early in the game when he when he smashed Kleberger and 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 knocked him back and then went and and made a little play he wasn't on the edge he was more in the middle of the field is it when Clever's in the middle of the field and he's running against um, front rowers and and things of that nature with a little bit more space where when when you're on the edge of the field when you're on on you know around the five meter line. Essentially, your attack can go one way. You don't have options. So the, the defenders can be a little bit more aggressive. But when you're in the middle of the field, when there's a breakdown in the middle of the field, and you get a guy like a clever working around that angle, those guys, those defenders, if there's you know, two guys in the ruck, maybe three, and four or five guys either side, a cop, and then maybe three guys back. If, you could, if you're running... Four or five guys have to cover forty yards of space, and you got Todd Clever, Paul Emmerich, Zina Gwenyan, and uh, and and Nathan Alifa. That be- that becomes a scary proposition. It becomes a less scary proposition when it's Hayden Smith, John Vandergees, and Mike McDonald. Yes, they can they can deal with the physicality of it, but the chances of getting burned on a line break are slim. Whereas the uh, with the chances of getting burned on a line break with those guys in the middle, is, or, or where they could play off either edge, is very very it's it becomes greater, and you saw that when the U.S. really tried to penetrate, that it was great. I I actually thought that the U.S. kicked poorly, and I also thought that when the game was ten nothing. There were very kickable penalty kicks, and I understand Malifa missed the first one, but that was close to the five meter line, and he missed it. He struck it well, but missed it. The second one, you know, just a horrible miss. But then there was a time where they were in front of the sticks; they should have taken the three. You know, you could chop away at threes because they were out playing them, and it, and it seemed like they felt they needed to get a try. Canada got a lucky try, and and that's all they had. And I think that you well, could chip away the, at a team when you believe in yourself. It wasn't, and it wasn't the, you know, I, I think those calls to go for the corners had to have been coming from the sideline, and and also there was a time where it was a five meter, there was on the five crisscross at a five and five at the, and they kicked for touch. Why not run it 
and have a ruck at the one. I mean, if you want to, if you want to do something, run it and have a ruck at the one. Those was became a big thing to kick goals or kick corners. You got to remember back when when teams were allowed to do that. If you watch the archive games, they 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 went to the one yard line, so you could win a ball at the one and score. Or even if you lost the ball, it was very difficult for the opposition to clear it, and you'd get a five meter scrum or something. From the five, the strike rate of scoring on those are pr- pretty low. It's it's a low percentage play, which we tended to do all the time. It's it's the conservative approach. I I and also I don't understand why we ever f- went to five. Why can't you have a line out, line out on the one meter line? But I agree now, with that I, law I, of keeping the thing at five. And I also like now we're going to argue law. No, but yeah, I, no, yes. but I but I also but forget 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 that. I I I hear your point, and and I'm sure you hear mine. Well, the the thing, uh, the thing that I the thing I don't think it's I don't think it's conservative to go for the line out. I, I I think it's it's not smart. I, it's conservative to run the ball to the one yard line and do pick and goes until they call a penalty or or you score. It's yeah, you're 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 well. I I think it's it's semantics here. You're you're saying it's not the percentage play, and it probably isn't. But it's what conservative coaches do, whether they're right or wrong. Uh, there there were a couple of spots where a quick tap would have been warranted, but uh, even. Even when the Eagles got a free kick, when they had a, they had a yellow card against them, and a scrum down, uh, and and Canada pushed early, and there was an immediate free kick. They didn't do it. They they stood around for a certain amount of time, and actually I think there was an injury, but but there was there still was then seemed to be no urgency about what to do, and I, I and I and I think that that speaks to me as some kind of paralysis of. We're not, you know, where, where are the decisions coming from? I think the who, players are what? afraid to make the decision. Yeah. Okay. okay. Do you want? Do you want to be the guy? Yeah. Do you want to be the guy to make the decision? Take a free kick. Take a free, a quick tap. And it doesn't. Get to the tries and it doesn't work, and then you're not going to the World Cup. Yeah. And I think that that's that's the feeling of many of the players in the in the camp. If yeah. I make a mistake, I'm not going to the World Cup. Yeah. Whereas they, you know, they, I think that the opposite is true in Canada. I don't even. I think Canada's playing very poorly. I thought they, you know, I thought they played very well against England in the, in the final of the Churchill Cup. I, I thought Canada played very, very poorly against the United States. They got results. I think that, but I think that they're, they're fraudulent results. And uh, and I think that I, I they think know the it United too. States. I think the United States really played played a lot better. And 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 they have got to be kicking themselves. And, you know, you want to hear about, oh, I'm shooting, you know, this guy, we shot ourselves in the foot. We shot ourselves in the foot. Uh-uh. The plan and the preparation shot them in the foot. They went in shot in the foot. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They Let's were go back shot to game before one. the go game. Go back to game one. Go back to game one. Are you going to put the Churchill Cup last dropping year? Ball? No, let's go back to game one of this little two-game series because we're only talking about the second game. But in all actuality, we haven't talked, you know, to our listeners or let them hear what we idiots have to think since before the first one. So let's talk about these two games. You go back to the first game. Can we blame the game plan for Nessie Malifa dropping the ball in the, in the try zone? Cause I don't think we can. Can we blame the game plan for him leaving eight points on the board or for, for him leaving five on the board and Andrew Suniula leaving another three on the board because they couldn't kick. That's not a teamwork thing. That's just you making a dumb error. That's Do you think player the, error. I, I got a question. Do you think that the coaching staff 
was unaware of the fact that we didn't have a reliable goal kicker three years ago? Do you think that 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 this was this is a secret? I mean, no, it's not I, a secret, I've, I've, I've been, I've been ju- relatively vocal about this, so I mean, I, I'm not on I'm not on the Eagle coaching staff, and 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 I will and you know and it's something that was pretty well known to me that we didn't have a kicking game from fly half, so yeah, that could be expected. And, it's also not and, a coaching and, error no, for Louis Stanfield to throw a quick line out on his own five meter line when there's a crowded area there either. That's not that's not. I, uh, that's not I, a coaching I, error. It's also no, not a coaching error for Sean Pittman and Todd Clever to whiff completely on an arm tackle, where both of them should have put their shoulder into the guy that ran the ball into the tri zone to start the whole thing. It's not coaching error for Petrie to kick the ball out on the full. It's not coaching error for Phil Teal to miss that line out that ended up having Canada put pressure on it to where Petrie was put in the position to actually have to clear the ball. There's a lot of player error that I think we're letting go by because we want to attack the coaching error. I agree with well, what you guys are saying. Ma- not, coaching error the, about the selections, the about those things. But we can't let the players off the hook here when there are a lot of stupid mistakes that led to the, the Eagles being 0-2 in these games versus being you know, 1-1 and or 2-0. and Pat, all, all I'm going to say is that players are more likely to make mistakes when they don't – when they're unfamiliar with each other and they're asked to do things that – they and they haven't played together that often. It was it was very clear that Naguanya seemed like he hadn't played with these players that often. And 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 Louis tried something dumb play, panicked, but had they had they believed in themselves and knew and had a plan and exit strategy is what it's called. A get out of jail card is what it's called. Right, and Listen, and I understand I, what you're saying. I, I'm as big a Louis Stanfield fan as and I, and I get it. And I, I look, I, hey, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend that move. It was idiotic. You pretty much just did. You just told me that they believed in the game plan and played well, together long. They didn't have, they it don't have a plan, bro. They don't have a plan. They don't have a goal kicker and knew it. They don't have a touch kicker. They don't have a ten. So this wasn't. If you want to develop a ten, develop a ten. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And anyone could say. It was 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 somebody getting phone calls and going through video drills, going through things that, that that certain players had to do to become a ten over the past several years. No, the answer to that is no. Same with nine. Same with the other positions, prop and all the positions that they need. Bottom line is the scrum operated well a few years ago and doesn't operate well now. It operates poorly, and Canada's scrum is dreadful. And and the only reason that the and and you got to remember a couple of years ago in the World Cup qualifiers we were blowing Canada off the ball. Now, with the same dudes, we got you know eight on six scrums and we're hoping to hold our own. Um, our line out is due to the fact that Canada's back row is my height, and 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 the rest of it, I you know, I I don't see that anybody can believe in what's going on. I think that the players are playing well, and I think they're playing well in spite of what's happening. And I think that it's unfair that, yes, they've made some jackass mistakes, no doubt about it, but it is unfair. They have not played together. They haven't been given a chance to play together. And I don't care what anyone says, that that was a drastic, dreadful, horrible mistake. And now they're seeing it. We're still going to beat Russia in the World Cup. So... At the end of the day, are we all going to come home and say, oh, yeah, we did great. We won a game. 
Well, let me let me just say real quick because I, I I have a feeling Alex was to chime in, or we want to move on to maybe a different sector of the, the conversation here. But I don't want it to come across like I'm saying that this is all player error. I just I, listen. I believe there's not one thing that you guys have said throughout, uh, in terms of generally speaking, of what's wrong with the Eagles and what's happening right now. Is there not enough time to assemble? Absolutely. Were the Eagles, the players themselves, put in the best situation to, to succeed? No, they weren't. Uh, is the game plan uh, a great game plan? No. I've had numerous people contact me via Twitter, via Facebook, via email, via text, say, you know, I've been watching all these games. I still have no idea what exactly our pattern is. So I'm not saying that they were put in the position to succeed. But you also have to you have to evaluate everyone, and I think it's fair to evaluate the players. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that the coach that they were put in the best situation to succeed, but you still got to make a play. You still got to make the stiff arm. You still got to make a kick. Malifa needs to be making these kicks. Him missing these kicks is on him. He's put out I, there. He should make them. You know, Pat, it's a, it's a good point. We we started talking team wide, and and we started talking pattern. Uh, we didn't get into. Uh, I think it. I think it's clear that there are individual mistakes and and poor decisions, and those are two different things. Um, I think there are collective mistakes. I think that. Um, but Nessie Malifa should make the easy kicks, and he's shown he's capable of making hard kicks. It's actually the easy kicks that he doesn't make. And I'll I'll say you know, the reason I think he does is because he, he lofts them up too high and he floats them in there when really I'd just like him to kick it more like a, more like a free kick in soccer and just drive it through those uprights when and and, and have a little bit more uh more confidence in it. But I, I, I wanna talk a little bit you know, maybe it's the same thing, but you know, if we want to be a bit of a bluebird of happiness about this, you look you look at all the things that that are happening with with the national team and how they're playing, and you cir- you can circle these these bad moves, right? The 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 ruck that went through Vandergeesen, the ruck ball that went through Vandergeesen's legs, um, that that turns into a try for DTH Van der Merwe. There's the uh, that horrible the kick and chase from McKenzie where uh and it was a smart move from Canada they they saw that they had two backs isolated on and they had uh, uh Sean Pittman was isolated against two Canadian backs and Gwenya comes racing up to try and help they kick over the top and Gwenya races back and stops them but there's no one else back and I talked to Aaron Carpenter who scored that try and he said yeah I just went and picked it picked it up and uh uh, there was no one else there. We we had guys there, and they didn't have anybody there. That's that is, but you you look at some that of these things. That was a great they, kick. Yeah, it was it was it was a great. They did some good things. Now Canada, the other thing they did very well was the way they tackled. I loved how they tackled. They made a lot of their tackles, and when a guy made a half break, and a Canadian player goes around his ankles, he doesn't let go. He held onto those ankles no matter what, and somebody else came flying in and slammed the guy to the ground. And that was that helped them contain somehow contain the USA. But you circle some of this stuff and you take those out. If you take out this mistake, basically take out Vandermeer's try, and have Malifa kick two penalty goals, we have a different first half. We have a drastically different first half because I do think that if Malifa makes one of those first two kicks, they'll still kick when they've got pressure and penalties, and they didn't any. 
after that, they didn't. And you were right, Bruce. They could have eaten their way into the into, through that deficit just from penalty goals. What Canada has is they have a unity of purpose. They are extremely physical. They make their tackles, and they have a great goal kicker. I That's, think, and and the, I, and and they've beaten us when we've when we've we the USA has won on almost every other aspect. I, I thought that we I thought that while while Canada while Canada's jockey defended pretty well and 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 they scrambled okay. I thought that um, a jockey defense is an, is an overload defense. It's when you have like a, a a four or five on two or something. You just kind of play you play it soft until you get your numbers lined up and then, and then you go up and attack. I thought that um, I thought they did that. I thought the U.S. penetrated them pretty well. I, I thought that there were times when the U.S. really had some some seriously penetrating line breaks that we just didn't finish. And I, 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 there, there's there's a lot of positive. And and it, the reality is, there's more positives to take out of the games for the U.S. than there are for Canada. I, I think the Canada's got to be really disappointed with the way they performed. They got to be happy with the result of the game, but they have to be very disappointed in the way they performed. Whereas the U.S. You know, I, they performed all right, but they just don't play. They don't seem to have the gel of a team that is playing well as a team, and 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 that's the thing that really is is scary to me. Yeah. And, okay, and, let me let me address that. First, on, on Canada, Canada captain Pat Riordan said to me, I asked him, what, "What do you need to fix or get right for the World Cup?" And he said, "Well, I, before I might have told you." Uh, def- defense but right now it's set piece we're really concerned about our set piece because they weren't they weren't they didn't feel like they were dominating in the scrum and they their line out was non-existent uh so that they're they come out he comes out of it not feeling happy and he wasn't effusive about how great they were by any stretch of the imagination um we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about this uh the eagles the teamwork uh, aspect is is very important, but isn't that something they still have time to, to work on because they've got a week leading up to Japan, and then they've got more time leading up to their first World Cup game. Maybe it's too late. I don't know. But when we come back, we will be talking about the USA playing a team that is really, really together and is spending more time together than any other team in the world, and that is Japan. Fans, the Rugby World Cup is coming up soon, and even if you can't be there in New Zealand, you can be involved. All RugbyMag.com premier members can enter our Rugby World Cup prediction contest in which if your teams win, you win and get bragging rights on your amazing rugby expertise. Now, fans, don't just pick pool winners. You have to pick the lower-tier teams you think will do well also, so no loading up on the big names. But it's fun. You get to win prizes. And for all RugbyMag.com Premier members, it's free. Go to RugbyMag.com now to sign up as a Premier member. Also, remember, RugbyImports.com for all your rugby supply needs. Go to RugbyImports.com. Well, after Canada, the United States goes to Japan, and they they fly out to Japan on very early on Monday morning and get ready to play the Japanese on Sunday, which I believe is uh, actually Saturday for most people in the United States, that game. And uh, the thing about Japan is they are very, very different team from the uh, the Japanese national team that the USA played in the 2003 World Cup. 
and uh, they are together. They are together frequently. They are bigger and more physical than they have been. Uh, they still play a little bit more of a uh, an unpredictable game. A, a lot of teams in Japan like to uh, counterattack from deep in their own end, and they do that pretty well. And the last time the United States went to Japan, in the end uh, of uh, 2008, they got beaten actually pretty handily. Although the players tell me they felt the same way about those games that they felt about these Canada games, is that they, they dominated stretches of the game, but they didn't come away with any points. Japan loses 31-24 to uh, to Italy this past weekend. Uh, a very, very good result, really, for them. They look strong. They've been together. So that's a problem, guys. Is, is, is that not a problem for the Eagles? Uh, they can't really be favored in this. I think that's the biggest problem for the Eagles. And I think it's – you look at the organization as a whole, and I think that they're not – the environment is not one that uh, is going to you know, foster and breed success. Uh, you know, Bruce has talked about it off the air, and, and the players don't seem to have that unity of purpose that Japan really did in, uh, you know, the Pacific nations and that they've had lately. And that seems to be their biggest attribute. I don't think the Eagles are all fighting for the same thing. I think that there's a lot of, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but I think that the fact that you go through two scrum coaches in nine months and now you're on your third and it's somebody you already had on staff. I think that every, if you're going to have that and, and we've talked to players that have said that that's a, you know, problematic when you have, uh, uh, a new scrum coach or a new coach of your position or whatever, every assembly you come to. I think that the, the environment that the players are in right now is not one that's going to breed success. And I think that that that's not just the players. I think it's organizational. You know, it, this is – you talk to – when we can't get an interview with Eddie O'Sullivan, when you put in a, a request to talk to Eddie O'Sullivan on a Monday, you you can't talk to him. You go to the same city as he is. You're less than 20 feet away from him the majority of the day, and you're still not allowed to talk to him. To me, that is uh, an example of uh, you creating a, an environment of fear. When people are afraid to say to the media what they think, when uh, the person who's controlling the media is afraid to put you through to somebody, I think that it's, a, it's an environment of fear uh, about being accountable for your actions and your decisions. And as you guys alluded to earlier, as Bruce alluded to earlier, nobody wants to make a mistake on the field because they're afraid that it's going to be their head on the chopping block for one mistake. And you can't, you can't live like that. You can't succeed if you feel like everywhere you turn, you're going to make a mistake. And I think that that's been created on the training pitch, on the field, and off of it in relation to the media. And I think that, that that's part of it. And I think that you can tell that there is no team chemistry in terms of that. All the guys want to win, and they all want to win for the United States, and they all want to play well for themselves and for the team. But sometimes that's just not enough. Uh, it seems to me like – you know when you're doing work on a computer – and there's somebody standing over your shoulder, and either you're trying to tell them what to do or they're trying to tell you what to do, but it never really goes well. And you're kind of like, can you just let me do it? Uh, I think that that's, that's, that seems to be – they seem to be playing scared. And, and, and I think that, again, it's a result of, of not dealing with the truth, the reality of the situations that they've had where they they haven't had a true 10 and they didn't deal with the fact that they needed to find one, that they haven't had a money goal kicker and they never dealt with the fact that they needed to get one. Um, I do think that in the event that Wiles and Patterson are healthy, that that could be – that could really add to the potency of the Eagles. Um, and and I, I – 
and I and I do think that the the real question is going to be: Are they going to be able to to have a high quality line out, and are they going to be able to have a scrum that can hold its own? And and if in the event that they're able to do that, and they have Patterson, and they have um, and they have Wiles, and 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 they have, I I do think they need to make a change in the midfield. Uh, I don't know what the what the answer is. Um, perhaps even Malif at twelve. I know that that sounds a little bit crazy. I I, I actually thought that Suniula did pretty well at ten when he came in. Roland uh, Suniula, Ro- that is Roland, not Andrew. Ro- yeah. Ro- Roland Suniula, and 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 it's not to say that Andrew wasn't a good player. I just I just don't feel that Andrew has played in these in these past two games as well as he could have. And and I think that possibly with the and or maybe the uh, you know do you put Scully in the midfield or Swearing? I'm not I I don't know because I'm not at practice. I just don't know. It's it's hard to tell when you're at practice. You can kind of you kind of tell right away. So I'm not I'm not judging their their ability to do that. I think that I think that and but then again that's that's more guys on the team that will not have been part of the team and they're still going to have to learn those guys. And I, and um, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Pat, let me address this thing, the, the climate of fear thing, because I think I, I think you've got a, a lot of good points here. And obviously, Eddie, the tone from Eddie O'Sullivan has changed significantly because he's not talking to the media anymore, um, which makes it very difficult. Um, he's, uh, you know, his body language wasn't good at a, in a game where you don't expect it to be good. You don't expect him to say, oh, well, you know, it's all cool. Um, but... The problem is that the World Cup is going to create this climate no matter who the coach is because playing in the World Cup is such a big uh, career moment for so many of these players. And, and because of the way, even for a professional, as I was talking to one player and I was asking him about what, is, uh, what he's going to do professionally as a player, and he said, well, you know, I, I make some money playing rugby, but it's not – honestly, it's not a lot of money, and I've got kids, and I've got a mortgage, and maybe maybe I, I don't know, but, you know. How long can I do this? But he's doing it through the World Cup, right? So the, the players are going to feel like I've got to do this. I've got to perform. I've got to fit in exactly right, or I don't get to go to the World Cup, which is truly, truly important to me. And that's, that's going to create that problem for a lot of teams, but for the United States, it really seems to be an issue because we don't see, we don't see that relaxed play. And, and the way the Canadians seem to work at it is they basically go at it saying, I don't care if we're not playing well. We're going to go in there and play 100% all the way. I, you know, I, I may make mistakes, but I'm going to knock somebody's block off. And the, the USA guys don't really play that way. I'm not saying that they don't have heart. I don't saying they don't have desire. But what, they, they just respond a little bit more differently. They, they, they tend not to want to be seen as just out for themselves. They tend to want to fit in to this team atmosphere. Now, the players saying that the, as a team, they get along. You know, there are a lot of very different players, and they get along well. But the World Cup itself, I think, makes it very, very difficult. Well, I, I get that. Listen, there's, the World Cup is a pressure pack situation. Fine. It's all about how you succeed in a pressure pack situation. If I'm evaluated, if I'm a guy that's a coach overseas that could pay you a lot of money to play rugby, I want to know how you're going to succeed in a pressure pack situation. If I'm picking my World Cup squad, 
I want to know how you're going to succeed in a pressure pack situation. Now, if that's playing safe and making, uh, you know, playing safe and not playing with reckless abandon, which can create positive things on the field, then perhaps that's not what I want to see. But it, what I want to see from, from Eddie O'Sullivan is just some accountability. You made the decision to get rid of Bill LeClaire for a reason. You had a reason in your head. You made a decision to bring on Fury Scrinchy for a reason. You made the decision to let go of Fury Scrinchy for a reason and then let you and Dave take over. You have reasoning behind that. Stand behind your decision-making. That's all I ask. If you're going to make a decision because you've calculated and you sat down and you think this is what's best for the team, stand behind it. And that's just one, situ- you know, that's one situation. But it, hiding from the media and hiding from your own decisions – isn't going to create this positive energy. It's not going to help your players feel any better. You make your decision and stand behind it. And if you make a mistake, so be it. If you decide you wanted to go for the post because you felt like you wanted to get a try and get the crowd going, that's a decision you decided or go for the corner instead of going for the post. That's a decision you made. Stand behind the decision. You made it for a reason. That's all I ask. And, and when you aren't standing behind your own decisions, it makes it hard for players to stand behind theirs. And, you know, that's, that's the way I feel in, if I'm, gonna, if I'm the coach, if I'm picking a team, and I'm not an expert and I'm not a coach, but if I'm picking a team, I want the guy like Paul Emmerich who's going to take the ball and run through as many bodies as he possibly can. There's nobody that watched that game that could say Paul Emmerich wasn't trying to win with every ounce of energy he had. But there are other players who will be selected for the World Cup squad that I think were hiding that you could say that about. I would disagree that I, think the play- I don't think the players were hiding – I think that every player out there gave everything they had and definitely wanted to win. I think that, and going back, but did to so season, in the confines of what they were allowed to. I'm not. And I, now I understand that. that. I understand that. But you got you got to also remember that Paul Emmerich's getting picked no matter what, whereas that's not true for everyone else. So uh, he can't. Eddie O'Sullivan cannot leave Paul Emmerich home. Paul Emmerich could have thrown three interceptions. He's still playing. Um, whereas if that happened to someone else, that wouldn't be the case. So I, I think that I think that, that that was why he's able to play like and, and the same with Clever. He's able to do things that are more aggressive and, and, and stand filling and, 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 and people who you know are gonna be playing. And well, that's the coach's error. If you make well, it if you create an environment where you and, can't and players and can't is, feel feel free to play like that, then that's your fault as a coach. Well this is this is what I wanted to say. Is that one of the most important things for players is to know where they stand in relation to the coach and their standing on the team. They just want to know. Like a fly half wants to know I'm the fly half. Scrum half wants to know I'm the scrum half. Tight head prop wants to know I'm the tight head prop. And and then it's okay to be the second string guy and then to know what do I need to do or is there anything I can do to – to get that job. Like, you know, if Tom Brady's the quarterback, there's nothing you can do to get the job. But in the event that he gets hurt, you're there to, you're there to, to play well and, and, and do it in that. So, and, and, but as long as players know that they understand their role, they can mentally prepare for it and they tend to play better. I don't think that everyone here really knows where they stand or really understands their role 100% and fully or or knows that they're believed in because the selections have been so helter-skelter over the past X amount of time. And, and it's all, you know, and as my friend said to me prior to the Saxons game, he goes, O'Sullivan's already making excuses. They're dead. That's what he said. 
He's like, O'Sullivan's making excuses, saying this is a development team. Dead, dead. We're going to kill him. That was it. And, and, and it was true. And it's exactly what happened. You yep, know, it's exactly correct. what happened. Yep. Yep. But, and, 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 you know, and, and the thing is, is that the players know this. They can read it. They're not idiots. So it's okay to tell a player that where he stands. It's okay to let a guy know, hey, man, in, from what I see now, I like this guy over you. It's okay. And this is why. And that's all right. You got to do it. And, and you got to bite the It's bullet. crucial, you right? It. You, you have to be, you that's have to say that. the only way you can create an environment of trust. Yeah, you know, James That's Walker it. said the exact same thing to me after, you know, Belmont won. That 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 was such a big part is that he his players know exactly where they stand, and there's an open line of communication there. And some of his players echoed the same thing. So there's no it's, argument. It's, it's so simple. You then you say to to a, a player, you say, you know, Pat Clifton, uh, you know, I I, I want you, I, I'd like you to start, but you've got to improve your tackling. And then you go out there and you miss a couple of tackles in the 20 minutes you get. And you say, Pat, didn't we discuss this? You say, yes, yes, coach, we discussed it. Well, you see, you understand that I'm not going to be able to play you next time because you, you've not shown improvement in the one area that I needed improvement. And, I, you know, what, what can you do, right? You can't, you can't argue with that. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. But, uh, yeah. but I, I'm just – but in order to say – if, if players know where they stand and they and they believe, see, first off, players have to trust in themselves. They have to know where they stand, and they have to know what it takes to be to to fill their role on the team. And it may even be being a very good practice player. Hey, as part of this team, you're one of 23 to 30 going to the World Cup, but we need you to keep your practice focus and and your intensity throughout the World Cup. You may get a game, you may not, but you're just as important as a part of this squad. Now. You know, and then say, but as long as everyone knows where they stand and they believe in themselves, then they believe in each other, then they believe in the system and they believe that it's fair and that everybody's working toward the same goal. I don't know that that's the case. Competition's and, good, and it, but you have to pick a winner and you have to let that winner know that he's won. That's what I yeah, hear. And we simplify it. At some point. Okay, all right. So, so. So let's let's look at the winners. Do, do we do we have some clear winners in some positions for the Eagles? And I I would say ju- judging just from what I've seen the last two weeks, um, Hayden Smith. I, I I don't think there was much a doubt that he was going to be a starting lock, but I think he's actually been very very good the, the last two weeks. I don't I I think he's a winner. Um, Todd Clever, he's actually been pretty good. I mean, he's 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 raised his game from the the spring. I think he's been a winner. Uh, the Paul Emmerich, you talked about that. Taku Nguenya, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he would play. And I think uh, uh, Bruce's comment about uh, you know throwing three interceptions, I think that would go with Taku as well. Uh, Sean Pittman, I think, is the guy at tight head. I don't think there's any doubt that he's been chosen as the guy. There are some questions elsewhere, though, so let's talk about them. Uh, Hooker, Chris Biller or Phil Teal? I'll tell you, I, I, I'll, I'll pick Teal. I'll, I'll pick Teal, and, I, and I'll tell you why, because I think his work rate is higher, and I think he's more dependable on the throws. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're going to select Teal there. I'm not, you know, I, I would... Um... I 
Biller actually played better than I expected him to. And, um, and, 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 and he has done that many times. And when we played Golden Gate in the, in the national final last year, Biller played better than I expected him to. And, um, and, and, and I, he played better than I expected him to this week. Now, that said, I didn't watch the, uh, I didn't watch the video of the game, so I, I, it's not. Have, like have, I, a, have a look. Have a look at the video of the game and see how many times he has the ball and he has an open man and he doesn't pass to him. Yeah, I, that's I, my, I, that's my issue, and maybe maybe it's an issue with the, the way he plays. It, it also because could I, be I'm. Of, it, it could be an issue with the way he plays. It could be an issue. I, I do remember him having an offload in in um in the game to somebody. And and I, but the other thing is, it he may also be scared of making that pass. I don't know, but yeah, I mean it, that that's been a fifty-fifty call. Um, you know, Pittman is. We'll see how he goes against Japan. Uh, he hasn't, you know, just because he's getting picked doesn't mean he's he's been most impressive. Uh, you know, and, Pittman. Pittman Pittman's the key guy that missed that whiff on that that first Canadian try in that first game. He's the big guy that, that, that didn't even seem to put a whole lot of effort into making that tackle. And Pittman is a guy that I think if he played with a little more Paul Emmerichness, a little more reckless abandon, is a guy who's a game-breaker because he can run over three guys in a row. And we've seen that in the past, and we haven't seen it this summer. At least I don't think I have. Well, you know, you know, but, yeah, you know what we haven't seen? The, the biggest – my biggest – Beef would say a guy like Pittman is that he has been in the Eagles system for many years as a tight head prop and has gotten zero percent better. Oh come on! He's gotten zero percent better. No, as a prop. no, he has. no, no, it's not true. He's zero percent better. As a prop. No, number one, it's not true, and number two, he's twenty-three years old and he started playing prop. On any regular basis, at the age of nineteen. So I, 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 I is, he, he was a number eight. He was a number eight through the age of nineteen. He has been an international tight head prop, and has not gotten better at prop. He's gotten no, I better. Know I know in, what you're saying. He's no. not gotten better at prop. My my had, one thing is I, I, well, severely, okay. I'm, I'm, severely hurt the Eagles. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna strongly disagree with both of you on that. First of all, his uh, I think his scrumming has gotten better, and second of all, it's it's not about the running Canadian with the ball. Canadian scrum's a disgrace. Yeah, I understand that, but it's not about running with the ball that um, has been his game of late. And if you go back and look at who's hitting the rucks first, and you're probably gonna see it's uh, Sean Pittman or John Vandergeesen. Those are the guys who will get into the breakdown. I'm, I, all, all I said is as a prop. That's no, it. I know. I know. I know problem, you know, I'm, I'm talking about what I'm talking about. What Pat said. I'm having an issue with what Pat said. That's fine. Listen, I'm not. As I've said a million times before, I'm not an expert, and I do get caught watching the ball. But the, the bottom line is, Pat, I think that Pat, Sean Pittman's biggest attribute as a player is the fact that he's an athletic ball carrier for his position. He's a guy that can break the game line. He's a guy that can make a lot of yardage, and I haven't seen that since the Churchill Cup in 2010. Hey Pat, I'm going to tell you something about all these guys who say that they don't watch the ball and they watch things off the, you know, and all that kind of stuff. They're all full of crap. Everybody who watches the games watching the ball. 
you know, I mean, 75 to 80 percent of the time. Um, and then that's I, why that's why I, I have to watch a game three or four times if I if I, I totally want to agree with you. Some of this I totally stuff. agree with you. Yeah, that's um, I just have to do video analysis yeah. all the time. Scrum. They watch the ball. <laughs> Scrum half. I think I've been playing how I feel about it. Um, Tim Usaz or uh, Mike Petri or Robbie Shaw get a look. Well, Robbie Shaw, let's, this is another criticism maybe of the organization, but I'll take the jab real quickly. I haven't seen Robbie Shaw play, and I can't for the life of me figure out why that game wasn't webcast against Glendale. Uh, 30 minutes from the national office should have been pretty easy to set it up and webcast it live. So I haven't seen Robbie Shaw play yet. Um, but between Uzaz and Petri, I'd say it's even closer than some would say. I like the fact that Petri can make a play with the ball in hand. Um, but he's missed on some of his kicks, and that's pretty important. And he's sprayed a couple balls um, from the base of the ruck too. You don't have to. You, I mean, you can't be asking me this in a series. <laughs> I think I think no, that score would have been twenty-seven-seven had Petri been playing the other way um, early in that game. I, I, I you know, um, I think what, what I, I, I do think you says played better. He played better than I expected him to, but I don't think I, I think Petri's a better player. And actually, uh, for my money, I'd have Petri and Mose Timoteo. I don't. I haven't seen Robbie Shaw playing years, so yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't really comment on that. Same as Pat. Um, I, Mike Petri loves Robbie Shaw, so he yeah. says he's really good. Um, Shaw, Shaw helped put that game away against Glendale. I mean, his box kicking was actually probably the best part of his game. The thi- what I'd like to do is I'd like to go at the last two games and time how quickly the ball comes from from tackle to first receiver's hands. And I think you will find that Mike Petri is significantly faster than Tim Usaz. And Usaz was seen uh, in the second game against Canada, uh, standing with the ball at his feet, motioning people to come closer. What was he doing? He wasn't setting up a forward pod, and he wasn't asking them to do a pick and jam. He was getting someone closer because he couldn't make the long pass. I, 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 you know what? I'm not going to... I I thought that Tim Usaz played pretty well in this game. I mean, he missed the offload from the Guanyin was, and you know, but there were a couple things that where he played, he did play pretty well, and and I I think Mike would have helped them, and that he would have given more threats. But who knows? Honestly, who knows? I am a Mike Petrie fan. I mean, obviously, I'm his coach, and, and I would always be in his corner. And, and I do think that I, – I, I really do think that in that game, Petrie would have been more valuable. Um, but Tim Uses has also been a good servant too. And, 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 and at the end of the day, you know, there are two of them. And, I, it, you know, the, it seems that he's going to do a 60-20 split. Um, and if I were going to do that, I would, I would want to make sure that Mike Petrie was the 60 guy. Uh, I, I do think Mike's an 80 minute player. I do think he's fit. I have heard some in the blogosphere say Mike can't tackle. That's insane. Um, that is insane. That's yeah. insane. Uh, I think he made 18 tackles against Scotland day, uh, and missed none. So I, I would, um, I would, I would, I would, I would pick, I would pick Mike. Um, but that's, you know, and that Eddie O'Sullivan doesn't seem to uh, agree with me on a lot of things. <laughs> uh, let, let's move on to the the deep three, and here that we've seen a lot of changes go on. Uh, Kevin Swearin, um, 
was not put in the 22 in the second game. He's, he's, he's had some off games. Uh, Taku Nguenya, actually, I thought played, played quite well. And then Blaine Scully has been working uh, toward it uh, at, at fullback. And, and he's gotten past that point where we were really excited about how well he played because he played really well for a debutante out to he's, you know, how is he playing now that he's had a couple of games under his belt? Um, and the big question, of course, Chris Wiles and James Patterson as well. Um, I saw both of them. I don't think Wiles is going to be ready for uh, Japan. In fact, I'm, I'm quite sure he's not going to be ready for Japan. And and he's still got some work to do to get fit. Uh, Patterson may may play against Japan this weekend. He he's he's that close, and uh, by all accounts, he looks terrific. So, uh, w- what do we do at that point? At that point, I wonder. Um, you know, let me give you Holly, my fantasy. Yeah. Let me give you my yeah, fantasy football lineup here. Assuming Patterson and Wiles are healthy, I'd like to see this. I'd like to see uh, your inside center. I'd really like to be a Paul Emmerich. Your outside center to be Chris Wiles. Your wings to be uh, uh, James Patterson and Taco Nguyenia and Blaine Scully at 15. Because I think between Scully, Holly, and, and Swearin, who's played the best, I think it's Blaine Scully. And I don't really think it's all that close, to be honest. I've been really impressed with him, and, and he's been consistent. Um, and then I think that the, Chris Wiles, the Eagles need to break the line more often. They need to they need to penetrate more often. And Chris Wiles has that ability. And to put him in a position to have the ball a little bit more, I think is a good thing. And I think to put the, uh, Paul Emmerich in a position to have the ball a little bit more is a good thing. Um, not to mention that I, I'm probably one of the biggest, biggest critics you'll find of the Anderson Eagles play over the last couple of weeks. But to me, I think that's a, that lineup. If these guys are healthy, there's a lot of question marks there is the best one to give it to you. Now, if you guys want to hear my, uh, my take on why Emmerich should be the, the 12 and not Andrew Sunil, I'd be happy to give it to you. I, 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 I don't need to know, uh, but, but if the, if the listeners want to hear, I'm going to guess, you know, he, first of all, he's, he's been the main gain line breaker. He's been the most physical runner. He can tackle, um, and and uh, Bruce, I know you're not. Fly sure. half. Yeah. He doesn't think he's a fly half. I've, yeah. I've made this analogy. Pardon for the basketball analogy, Alex, but I think <laughs> Andrew Suniula is the six seven, six eight guy on your high school basketball team who thinks he's Dirk Nowitzki, who thinks he's a three point shooter. I think Al- Andrew Suniula thinks he's a fly half, and he doesn't realize how big he is. If you're six four and you weigh what Andrew Suniula weighs, you shouldn't be deferring to Paul Emmerich to make the tough crash when there's not a big wide open hole that he slides through. I think that he needs to be taking tough crashes. I think that the, on the off occasion he does because he doesn't have an option. He loses the ball way too often in contact. Um, and, and I think that he kicks the ball too much and he kicks it poorly. There's nothing wrong with your 12 kicking the ball, but if you're going to do it, you better be able to actually pull it off. And I think that he does it in four times, and I, I think he doesn't pull it off correctly. And, and Paul Emmerich will break that game line. You know he's going to do it. If you have him there to soak up a couple guys and, and you have the danger in Chris Wiles, I like it an awful lot. I actually think that I think that, that might be your uh, your 12 to 15 combination when it's all said and done. And, I, uh, and, and Wiles probably give you an option as a goal kicker as well. So I would not be surprised to see that. Um, I, it, 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 I I don't know that that has that's nothing that um, is, is that I would know. 
but I, I, I would not be surprised to see that. And that's something that a lot of people have be. talked about. A lot of people, I would, have, I, you, I would not be surprised to see that at all. I, I would what I also see Emmerich at 12, yeah. Wiles at 13, Scully at fullback, Nguyen and Patterson on the wings. I would not be surprised to see that at all. I, w- I would love it. And, and what I'd like also, and no knock against Colin Hawley, but I think opponents in the World Cup don't know from Colin Hawley, but they'll know James Patterson and they'll know Taku Nguyen, and they can't. There are two extremely dangerous guys that you've got to keep an eye on, on, on either wing. And I think that's wonderful. Rather than just say, you know, whatever, whatever, however they line up, you just watch out for Nguyen and make sure you you've got got hit, got an eye on him. Now they've got to keep an eye on both of them. I mean, they I could, they could bring either question. one. At yeah. one point, Alex, you'd said that you thought that based on your conversations with Eddie O'Sullivan, of course, we won't have any of those for a while. But based on your original conversations, and that James Patterson. Um, needs to play against Japan in order to be made the World Cup. That's what he told me, absolutely. Do you, you still think that holds true after seeing what we've seen on on, on the wing opposite in Guenya the last two games? No. I don't think I mean I I think I think that um considering how the wing has gone and it's not been a disastrous thing, but considering how the wing has gone and how Patterson has trained and how everyone feels about um his potential I think he could be picked even if he's not even if he doesn't play against Japan. I think it, uh, what I also think is that if he is even remotely healthy he'll get 5 minutes. And then uh, and then technically he won't have uh you know he'll have followed that letter of his law. He's not going to back himself in the corner about any of that crap. At the end of the day I mean, I've heard that Patterson's pretty good and he can play. So if um, if that's the case, then then it, it, you know you don't leave somebody home who can play. If the guy's good enough to play and he should be there, and you got to take him, um, you know that this isn't you know this isn't your high school team where you're going with the guy who uh, there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of exper- experience. But I heard he can play. Um, and I he looks he I looks good I heard too. He's really good. I didn't you know. Look, he, again, he also he I, also I looks like he's practice. fit. He looks he looks fit. He looks strong. He says he's not in any pain. He's no. just been told not to play any uh, to avoid contact. So uh, you know, I think uh, in that case, hopefully he can play. I mean, and and that could be. That could be your team, and and then and and then and then comes the wild card. What do you do at ten? Yeah, what do you do at ten? I, you know, I, I like Nessie Malif. I like him uh, as an individual. I think he. I, I think if we, I, I had, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, uh, not because he was ducking me, but you know, I can't talk to everybody. Um, but if I asked him, he would say, "Yeah, you know, I miss key kicks and I need to to make." Um, and and I think number one about it is his goal kicking. He made. And it, it, you look back on some of the, the defensive plays Nesi Malifa has made. Against Russia, he saved two tries on tackles. And against Canada this, uh, on this last game, he did a front-up tackle against, and I don't know who it was. I'm trying to remember. It was a flanker or a center. It was a big guy. And he tackled him straight up and forced the ball to be dropped. 
He he is very good defensively for a fly half. Um, I actually think it was that monster wing that they have, Hearn, the guy who tried oh, the 55-yard okay. kick, who looks yeah. like a flyer. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and but he's got to kick. If he's the goal kicker, he's got to kick goals. True, but have we seen that Roland Sunilo can kick goals? I I don't think that we have. I think that if Chris Wiles is healthy, he, he may very well may be already decided that he's going to be the goal kicker. He, that may that decision may already be made, um, but he hasn't been on the field. Uh, and frankly, I kind of hope that that's the case because I think if you take you let Nessie get out of his head about the kicking, that you're going to see him play even better on the field. Um, if he's not having to worry about. Um, whether or not he's made his kicks, I think his distribution is going to be better. His his defense will be more aggressive, and um, you know that if you've seen the Malifas play in the club scene, you know that they can hit and you know that they can tackle. and And I think that Nessie should step his game up a little bit more uh, as far as that's concerned, as far as making his presence felt. Because what you want your flankers to do to the opposite fly half, as far as intimidate them and uh, put a shoulder in them, I think that Nessie can accomplish that as a fly half. All right, Nesse Nesse can actually Nesse is a is a very good tackler and he's a um and he's a real cut in half tackler and and one of the things that I would uh one of the things where he would need to improve his game the goal kicking obviously is is a factor on on stuff like that the the other thing is he needs to bring the defensive line up and he needs to set the defensive line and bring him up quicker and then I think that he – I personally – I thought Sunil played pretty well, but I would go with Nese. And I, and I, and I just think that – I think that Nese is a confidence player, and, and I think that right now there, there's a bit of tightness around the camp. It, um, I, <laughs> again, I'm not there. Just the way they played seems that way. I, I would hope that, as I said – in, in prior podcasts, they needed a clear the air meeting. Uh, I know for a fact they didn't have one. And Eddie O'Sullivan understands rugby and understands how to run a system to win rugby games. That's, you know that that's true. So I think that they all just need to understand each other. I think that there's just a lack of understanding on either end. And you can you, you know you you could choose one of two ways. You could talk it out and work it out, or you can sit in opposite ends of the house and not talk to each other. Or we could hug it out. You know what? I think that they – you know what? You know what? How about this? Todd Clever and Louis Stanfill, who would be perfect, can lead the team in the singing of Kumbaya, and they could bring back Tui Osborne to play the guitar for them, and, <laughs> and, then, and then they can have a big group hug with Eddie in the middle. That would be right up Eddie's alley. All right, we we are just about out of time. It is uh, time for a prediction. So, uh, Pat, I'll start with you, and that is uh, USA versus Japan. Give me a scoreline. The Eagles are going to go out there and just try and run rough shot over them. Um, but uh, yeah, Japan's uh, – I can't pick Japan. Nothing points to the reason you can pick Japan. So I'll guess a relatively fair scoreline, say – I'm going to go 23-17, Japan. All right. I think we get some, some points off of just being tougher than them, but in the end, we make uh, a silly mistake as we have as of late at least once to three times a game, and that, that's, that undoes us. 
I think the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are going to win 24 to 22. That 22 is a crappy one. They're going to win. <laughs> the Eagles are going to win 27 to 26. And the Eagles are going to win 27 to 26 because Japan, I don't think, will select a, a full-strength side. And I think the Eagles will select their full-strength side. And I think that they're going to play a little bit better because they've been playing together. So I think they'll play a little bit better. And I, I think they make they may convert. And I think against a, a second a, a second tier Japan side, which I'm, I'm that's a gamble that that they're doing that. Um, so I'm going to say 27, 26 to the Eagles, and they salvage their summer. Well, I, I'm going to guess the other the other way, and I'm going to say Japan 33, USA 12. And if I'm wrong, Bruce, I'd be happy to. Uh, Buy you the fruit smoothie of your choice, and um, uh, I, th- I, I, I do. I do think that I do think that um, I, I also do think that Todd Clever knows Japan pretty well, mm-hmm. and that, you know, so he'll he'll have kind of a gauge as to as to what they're doing. So they may they may have to force them to change their calls a little bit. I don't know. That well, could, well that, I, you you may very well be right. What what I'm thinking is that the mistakes that the USA is making plays right into the hands of Japan, even a less than full strength Japan side. I think they've I think they're gonna have a tough time on this one. I do actually think that it may all end up being a wonderful group of uh, harsh lessons that end up in a a pretty strong World Cup performance. We'll see. But right now USA 0-2 against Canada despite playing most of the rugby, and we hope 1-0 against uh, Japan uh, playing most of the rugby there. Uh, that does it for this week's episode of Rugger Matrix America. And uh, Bruce and Pat, thanks a lot for being in on it. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. We're just here for you. That's Kumbaya, true. Kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> you think I'm going to join right for Kumbaya? You think much more. Kumbaya. All right, my lord. around the campfire. Kumbaya. This is Rugga Matrix oh, America. Oh, Lord. Kumbaya.